I'm delighted that you're here with us again this week on the 12th house. Really, like it truly is an honor because I know that there are lots of things you could be listening to and you're choosing to listen to us. And that's so nice. I love hanging out with you. (laughs) Well, I don't know. You're cleaning your house or answering boring emails or I don't know, hexing your ex. Just I just love to witness it. Love to be part of it. So thanks for including us. And thanks for tuning in again. And if this is your first time, welcome to the tour. You're going to have a great time. This is a great, great intro episode, to be honest with you. On this podcast, we talk about wellness, intuition, mysticism, and how all those things coalesce and how we can use them to become more human and, you know, like experience ourselves as sort of demigods that are down here in these human meat suits just trying to (laughs) self-actualize. And for the last couple of episodes, we've been talking about being in the wellness industry, but not of the wellness industry. Basically talking to people who work deeply in the wellness space, but don't always feel like part of it and don't really buy into a lot of what the wellness industry perpetuates. I'm really excited for today's guests, Imani and Ellen from The Woke Mystics. I've known Imani and Ellen for a while and gotten to work with both of them, taking classes from both of them. I was on their podcast, gosh, pre-COVID, and I just really love both of them. I think that they're so cool and a wonderful team of two really different people, which we talk about in this episode. Recently, The Woke Mystics co-wrote a book and we talk about how Imani and Ellen landed that book deal and what it was like and that whole experience of writing the book and what they had to do to make it happen. And I really appreciate how honest both of them are with their experience and that they don't sugarcoat what it is to work with a partner, to find compromise with another person and also the compromises that we sometimes have to make in order to find commercial success, to get something like a book deal, to be in the world and what it's like to navigate that space and also remain in integrity with yourself, which is not simple. And often we get into black or white thinking where we say, I'm just not going to compromise, period, end of story. I'm always going to remain in integrity, even if that means that no one's ever going to see my work (laughs) because I'm like in integrity with myself and I'm not going to settle and I'm not going to sell out. And It's more rare to find people who are navigating the messy middle and who understand that in order to make well-being more accessible to more people, which I think is the goal of most of us, especially if you're listening to this podcast, sometimes we have to step into discomfort um, and figure out how we can be maybe a little uncomfortable or move outside of what our expected outcome was in order to do what our sacred work is. And that's not always exactly how we quote unquote imagined it or or manifested it or put it on our vision board. But sometimes other opportunities are presented to us that lead us to our eventual desired outcome. So anyways, that was a long way of saying that sometimes you get what you ask for, but it doesn't come in the package that you were hoping. And getting used to that can be And like deciding whether that's the right thing or not, or whether you're settling or compromising or not, is not cut and dry. It's not obvious. It's not always clear when you're in the middle of it, right? And I love being able to talk to people who can be honest about that. And I think that Ellen and Imani really do. So I hope that you enjoy this episode. And I think you're going to love both of these two wonderful healers, practitioners, mystical human beings. And I'll see you on the other side. 
Hi, Ellen. Hi, Imani. I'm so happy that you're here. Welcome. Hello, hello. (laughs) (laughs) I love you two so much. Do you think that you were sisters in a past life? Probably. Like, what's your past life connection? I'm probably. dying to know. You know. Yeah, yeah, but probably the the fact that people pick up on that so quickly on right. our podcast and it's like effortless. We're not mm-hmm. attempting to do anything. Yeah, probably that would make sense. Have you have you always felt like that? Like kindred, like from when you met each other, were you like, oh yeah, we know we know each other. I think the nature of our conversations naturally made us feel like there was a deeper connection. And I think just how much we mirror one another, like, yeah. In, in yeah, there was a lot of ways. Mirror. Yeah. Yeah. Which comes down to our oh, chart. Can, we, can you give me an example? <laughs> yeah. Like I would love to know, tell me a good story about how you yeah. mirrored each other. Well, it's really, you can see it from two lenses. So mm-hmm. one is like our background and then the other one is our chart. So mm-hmm. I'll do the, I'll tell the chart and then you yeah. can tell the, the background part. So our chart, my moon is a Pisces mm-hmm. and Ellen's rising is Pisces mm-hmm. and Ellen's moon is Capricorn and my rising is Capricorn. So <laughs> we're not the same, <laughs> but we are like, complete I just got opposite. chills. <laughs> we're like complete, this like mirrors of the off, like the opposite of each other. Like the way I process is how she projects. The way mm-hmm. she projects is how I process. And then her, Ellen's son is on the cusp. Mm-hmm. So she is between Leo and Virgo and I'm on the cusp as well, but a month before between cancer and Leo. Mm-hmm. Wow. So you have like these I'm picturing in my head, like these sort of like ephemeral boundaries or like these sort of like threshold sort of like that you Mm -hmm. share with each other. Yeah. Yeah. And, and one point Ellen had made too about our signs that was really interesting. The last time we talked about this was that they're both fixed. So they never retrograde because I'm Mm -hmm. the ruler of the moon and she's the ruler of the sun. So Mm -hmm. they like never are going backwards. And we both have, um, we both have a stelium and Capricorn, both have steliums and Leo. Yeah. yeah. And then our backgrounds, like even our, our, our background, background of being biracial women, like, and just being the opposite of one another, like in that way is really cool too. So yeah, mm-hmm. we're definitely mirrors. <laughs> Cause that's, that's opposite you, as well mm-hmm. with being biracial. Cause mm. Ellen's dad is white and mom is black and mm-hmm. my mom is white and dad is black. Mm-hmm. So that's another, (laughs) you like, you really do mirror each other in so many ways. Does that mean that you also know how to push each other's buttons, like to the nth degree, or do you find that you're, you are like more calming? Cause I feel like sometimes when someone like meets you or matches you, not, I don't want to say this in a bad way, but it's like, they, they can like really get under your skin in a different way than another Mm. person, or they can Mm. be the balm that like takes your sort of um, maybe what would dysregulate you that someone mm-hmm. else would do because they know how to say it or like they can, they empathize with you. They can make it a little bit more like soothing mm. how they deliver that information. Oh, I like that. Yeah. And I, I, th- I think that I wouldn't say we push each other's buttons, but I would say that we understand, we kind of intuitively know what the other person needs in certain circumstances. Like if one of us is going through something mm-hmm. personally, then the other will immediately like pick up the slack, maybe work-wise in certain ways. And it's not really a conversation mm-hmm. that needs to be had. It's just kind of this like unspoken understanding that we have of one another. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's really beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And I think also like 
we both have an understanding of what the other person's mission is. Mm -hmm. So like we have the podcast together, but what we're both doing for our own selves is different. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, because there is an understanding of that as well, like we know where all the moving parts are and what they're doing and where they're going to as well. Yeah. Mm, that's really cool. It's, I think that that's one of the most underrated things that you can ask a friend or a collaborator, or even like someone that you're working with is like, where do you want to go? <laughs> like, where, what do yeah. you want? Yeah. Like, what are, what do you make? What's your purpose? Like, why are you doing mm -hmm. this stuff? Because then you can have your ear out, especially if you're like, we're so much in competition with each other. Life wants to pit us in competition against each other. So often patriarchy, white supremacy. And so if we can see like, actually we, we have really different purposes and uh, we're not at all competing with each other. We're just here to like lift each other up. You can have your ear out for the other person when you hear opportunities or potential pathways for them or ways for them to elevate. Yeah. It's an yeah. idea of there's abundance everywhere. And each of us were brought here with certain missions and certain purposes, even though we're mirroring each other, we do have different goals that we want to achieve. And it's like upholding our own individualities while also putting our energy into our joint venture together. In your joint venture, has been so successful. Not that either of you individually have not been successful, but I feel like Woke Mystics has like just seen sort of like exponential growth and almost like collapsed its own timeline. Like mm -hmm. the way that you guys have continued to show up for the podcast and now you have a book out in under three years, like in, in almost no time. And has it been easy with the Woke Mystics? You said it was like the thing that you come back to. Has that felt like the most simple part of what you do or, or not? Is it actually been really challenging? Both. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Both. Yeah. I think, I think being, you know, one in a capitalist structure, being a woman of color, you know, being an entrepreneur, there's so many challenges that make it really difficult. Like it is, it is hard to do the platform and not have like a full-time income off of it but have it be a full-time job, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's in that regard, like it's been challenging because in an ultimate reality, it would be beautiful to be able to just like have this because it's, it's giving so much to people. It'd be great to be able to just like have that be the main thing with, mm -hmm. so that we're not in this society and matrix where we have to work 80 hours a week just to uphold everything, you know? So in that regard, it's been <clears throat> challenging, but it's also been very well worth it because it's been very well received. Mm -hmm. And as you said, we've mm -hmm. been able to collapse timelines and we have been able to do things that, you know, may not seem possible to do in such a short amount of time and, and create momentum and reach and, and, and whatnot. So, yeah. Yeah. We have a very strong community around the platform, which is something I'm super proud of is just how engaged our community is. And like, they really do tune in every episode and are interested in what's going on with the platform. So that's a beautiful thing to witness. And then also just how much the platform has allowed us to individually grow as well. Like from the very first episode to now, well into over 80 episodes, <laughs> thinking mm -hmm. about that, like wow. and how much we've grown individually and been able to connect with other healers in the space 
and give them a place to, that they can speak their truth and their experience in an honest and authentic way. I think that's very sacred. So it's been a pleasure in that way. And then I agree with Imani that it can be exhausting when you feel like you're constantly outputting for a very little input for yourself. But there's always those beautiful moments of like remembering the purpose or sometimes you get like a thank you message from a listener and that definitely just reminds you of why you're doing it. Yeah, and I think something that we talk about at Holisticism within our team is like, sometimes our energetic exchange doesn't look like financial mm -hmm. energetic exchange. Mm -hmm. Like it is listenership or it is people clicking and liking and subscribing and or getting praise or like we're getting poured back into we're getting energy in a different mm -hmm. way and getting paid is dope like <laughs> actual energetic exchange and in, in the form of money is great yeah. so we want that too but i'll speak from the eye when i get like bitter or when i feel overworked or exhausted it's because i'm not getting poured into and in, in some area of my life i'm not getting feeling that completion of energetic exchange. And so sometimes to your point, like getting an email from a listener can like truly keep you going. <laughs> it's like fuel in your tank. Yeah. And also everyone's path is so individual. And so it's hard to say, do this formula and you will be successful. You know, like it's going to be tweaked and, and different for everybody. And so having those responses from people that they love your podcast could be the very thing that actually turns into financial fulfillment for you. There's no saying how that is going to all loop in together and make sense in your personal equation, but it will somehow. Yeah. <laughs> That's such a good point. And it's like, you never, never. know, like mm -hmm. we got, we got featured in Goop out uh, like surprisingly, which is so weird. Cause I feel like I kind of like shit on Goop a lot. And we got featured in Goop because someone on our newsletter happened to see who works for Goop, something that we were doing. And I didn't even know that it happened until my mom sent it to me. <laughs> she's like, oh, I never, right? With, did you know this? <laughs> yeah, she's like, By the way. yeah. And then I checked our traffic and I was like, oh no, that, that makes sense now. But first off, if I pitched myself, that would have never happened. You never know who's no. watching. Mm -hmm. That's the other thing. No. Mm -hmm. And I think you learned that through your book, right? And through how you got your book deal. Yes. So what's interesting for me, I do a lot within quantum and you know, quantum is just like the idea, one that you can collapse timelines. It's for me around not working so hard for something. So instead of trying to reach out to 50 people, trusting that the universe is going to put me in contact with the one person that I need to be in contact with so that I'm not doing that whole process. And how I do that is I just listen. So at one point I was mm -hmm. like, okay, Spiraker told me to write this book. They're like, you need to write a quantum book. There's not enough material from women of color or that is around the healing journey and not just the science background. So I started writing it, even though there was no book deal. I was like, okay, I'm going to start writing it. Like that's what I'm being told to do. And I was doing, I yeah, yeah. So it's the, the listening as well, right? The trust <laughs> and also listen to the messages that you're given, mm -hmm. which takes you a and little and do it. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> And then they're like, okay, great. I'm going to meet my soulmate as soon as I get my shit together. And then they're like, yeah, okay. But I don't want to like do home. the work. <laughs> right, no. And that, that also plays into free will and predestined. So if something's your destiny, then you have free will, but you're going to do the thing that you're being told to do because it's coming from inside of you. And so I kept writing because I was told I was supposed to do that. And then I do outreach for woke mystics. At the time I was doing a lot of like, just like gorilla on the ground outreach. And I had come across a publisher without 
knowing it. I just reached out and was like, Hey, listen to the podcast. And she ended up saying, Oh, I'm a publisher. I would, you know, love to work with you guys. And then that's when we brought in astrology. And so with Ellen's background being in that and mine, like somewhat, but not as heavily, we both like really dove in and ended up being able to do an astrology book. So I love to say quantum brought us astrology because it's all encompassing. Like it's, it's all here at the Mm -hmm. same time. So the, the machine to be used was astrology and the way that we got there was through quantum. So, yeah. Wow. That's so cool that it just happened. And also it didn't just happen. (laughs) You made it happen. You know, like you created it. It's a bit difficult to describe because there's a lot of nuance there. And I think that often when people talk about manifestation, did you know that manifestation is the most trending thing in wellness right now, according to Google? I heard that according to Google. Yeah. Yeah. Manifestation is the most trending. I was like, huh. Are we in like 2007, <laughs> the secret? Like what is going on? You're like, y'all are late. Yeah. It's so interesting now, more than a decade later, right? I'm sure you both read. Well, I'm not going to put that on you. Did you guys read The Secret when it came out? I listened to the audio book, I think back in the day. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Now that you know more, obviously so much more, you've like experienced mm-hmm. your spiritual awakening or you've deepened your spiritual practices. There's, I think, a lot of problems with that perspective of manifestation. And I feel like I'm seeing so many young people who are like sort of regurgitating that same information. And I'm like, oh, baby, I don't think that's how it works. (laughs) It just reminds me of what you were talking Mm -hmm. about with quantum, Imani. Yeah. I mean, there's work behind it, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, it is, quantum is a way to manifest because you're condensing timelines, but we still have to acknowledge the system that we live in, which is why we love to talk about manifestation and privilege. So mm-hmm. like, what what are you coming to the, the ball game with? What pieces do you already have just based on your, who you are and like how you were raised, your family, et cetera. And then from there, are you doing the work to shift through your belief systems and work, you know, push through the things that are holding you back from being able to be in alignment with the things that you want to work with. So I feel like the wellness industry has kind of made the word manifestation or frequency or highest self or um, alignment kind of dirty words because it's come with a lot of spiritual (laughs) bypassing that makes it just sound like just do this thing and then you're there. And it's like, well, there's a lot of shadow work that goes into that. And it's the emergence of both of them together that allows quantum to be this place that expands us and like coming back to the listening aspect of knowing like when to meet the universe halfway and to know when to let the universe do do its job I think that when people start to fall into like working so hard towards their manifestation I'm like you're actually kind of falling into like the capitalism mindset of like if I continue to work 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 then I'll be rewarded and like sometimes our guides really just need us to sit still (laughs) like once you've done all Mm -hmm. you can you have to also allow yourself to release the control around it and allow things to flow in as they're supposed to be rather than what you want it to be. And I think that's like a very Mm. fine balance that isn't really talked about or discussed enough. I'm starting to see more people talk about like rest and restoration and how that does play a part in it. But I think in the past, like we've always thought like, oh, if you continue to work towards a goal, then you've succeeded and you're going to get everything you desire. When in the actual case, we also have to allow ourselves to step back and energetically listen to when we're supposed to take action and when we're supposed to stand in stillness. Mm, I love that. Can you tell our Capricorn yeah, I, I think... steliums to do that, please? Yeah. 
I literally, I tell myself, I like, I've been telling my mind because these past two weeks, I've been having to like sit in stillness more, like energetically, I've been told I have to. And I'm like, it's really uncomfortable. Like, it's really not something I'm used to doing, but I have to do it. It sucks. <laughs> it yeah. objectively sucks. I have yeah. Capricorn, Saturn, and Jupiter. Love to work. Yep. <laughs> that I mean, like Nat Ministry has been talking about rest also as like a revolution and as resistance for a while. And I, it's really cool to see more people taking that mainstream and like really embodying that and believing it and not just saying it from a place mm-hmm. of privilege. Because there's also some yep. bypassing around that of like, just let it be easy. Just like sit back and relax and like, let this thing happen. And truth is a lot of people don't have, don't always have access to that. Like the rest, unfortunately is a privilege should be a right. It should be inherent and we should be resourced enough by the, ourselves and the people around us. And by, I don't know, maybe our government enough to be able to rest if we, when we need to, and when we choose to, but I also like, I'm really into this idea that, you know, working like Capricorn, (laughs) you know, harder, 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 pushing, working constantly and really like going after something that does yield results sometimes. But, but like, also there could be another pathway where it's just like, what if this was easier? And like, maybe both these Mm -hmm. paths are right. It's just like, I get to choose which one I want to pick in any given moment and for any projects. And maybe sometimes I really want this project to be hard and I want to like work my ass off on it because that will make it feel really rewarding. And Maybe other times I'm like deuces, I'd rather ba- go on a vacay. So I want mm-hmm. this to be easy. Yeah. yeah. And and always just checking back in with yourself, you yeah. know, because spirit will tell me to rest and I don't want to. And I listen. And- <laughs> <laughs> But, and, and listening sometimes doesn't look very cute. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'll be in my house, like cranky, like I'm resting. <laughs> <laughs> Why are we so resistant to it? Why do you think it is? I'm so goal oriented. Kind of like you said about that Capricorn energy that sometimes it just feels so good. Like it does bring having so much like tenacity and resiliency, like mm-hmm. does bring great success. You know, mm-hmm. it's part of the reason that think certain things happen in your life, you know, cause you're, you're not, you're, you have drive and passion, but it's, it's listening to the flow and like mm-hmm. bringing that energy when it's needed and drawing it back when it's not being used for anything. Yeah. I think it might also be a power, a power thing to or a control mm-hmm. thing, right? Like when <laughs> yeah. I work, I know I'm in control, you know, like if it's, if I fuck up, it's my fault. At least I can control who mm-hmm. to get mad at. But when I like let go, like God, that I'm not in, but the thing is we're never really in control, right? I think like <laughs> my, mine is connected to self-worth yeah. and that's something I've been unpacking a lot around mm-hmm. is like the more productive you are, the more worthy you are of receiving. And for me, I've had to unpack mm-hmm. a lot around that, that like, no, I'm perfectly like willing and open to receiving, even when I am just laying in bed and just relaxing, like I'm still deserving of that joy and that pleasure. Mm-hmm. And I think that also comes a little bit back to like family, like programming as well too, as two women of color. Also, like, I remember my grandmother always like, I would tell her something about what was going on in my life. And she's like, are you working? And I'm like, yeah, she's like, then you're fine. I'm like, what do you mean? (laughs) What do you mean? But it's like, you know, as women of color, you're always having to work and strive to like reach your goals and put in this energy, you know, like I'm trying to unpack and unprogram around that, that like, I don't necessarily have to overwork all the time in order to like feel good about myself, so. 
Yeah, speaking of mm -hmm. our intuition mm -hmm. with each other, I remember a couple months ago having a dream where Ellen was like working and and I forget exactly what happened, but I think I was like, oh, are you like going to stop? She's like, no, I'm going to keep going. And it was like this <laughs> idea that like she was working too much. And I like mm -hmm. woke up and told her the dream and she was like, yeah, I need, <laughs> I need, a, I need a rest. I've been thinking about that. Yeah, that checks out. <laughs> break you to the point of exhaustion that when you wake up the next morning like you can't move like you gotta stay in bed we're done with you <laughs> stop playing these games with yourself like <laughs> yeah that what you said about self about worth and being worthy of rest or even i would say like worthy of mm -hmm. making income right mm -hmm. like the harder i think uh something that i personally have had to work on a lot both my parents mm. are capricorns so, and my dad's first generation American. And something that I always was taught was the harder you work, the better you'll, the more you'll get, right? The better you'll get. But if you don't work, you're, don't expect anything. Or if you like, if something's easy, don't expect it to be worthwhile. Like if in order for something to be worth it, it has to be painful. You really have to like struggle. And so if you want to make more money, that means like you really have to put yourself through some pain. You really need to, like sacrifice your happiness in order to get that thing for a really long time that stood in the way of me sort of being able to like shatter my own expectations of what I was capable of and sort of like break through that energetic feeling yeah. of what I, I was like stuck at this earning level. And then, and it was like, didn't matter how hard I worked. It didn't matter like how many hours I was like grinding and like how much I killed myself. I still couldn't get, it was like mm. slipping through my mm -hmm. fingers or something. It took so long to repattern that in my brain. I'm like, that's actually not because it was it's ancestral. Not true. Yeah. <laughs> this yeah. came from your father and probably even before that. And mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think people underestimate, of course, like spiritually what's in our, what's in our lineage and what lessons have been sort of ingrained in us, but also yeah. epigenetically, mm -hmm. like <laughs> we store so much information from trauma, from experience that like we couldn't possibly know and intellectually, but we know it somehow. And that goes, I think, to spiritual practice. And I would be really curious if you found that with your own spiritual practices, with your, your spiritual lineage. Yeah, I feel like kind of going back to what you were saying about family, like I grew up with a single mom and my mom is white and she came from like a middle class, well off family, but she was an artist. And so I spent a lot of time being like angry with her. And I love my mom. Like <laughs> I look up to her. She's everything to me, but I would get frustrated yeah. with her because it would be hard for me to get to a certain social economic place. And I was like, why did you do this? Cause now you're making it harder for me <laughs> and mm -hmm. I'm doing it as a woman of color. Mm -hmm. And I had to let go of that in order for it to not continue to be the story. And I mm. had to lean into my community. And like we said earlier, some of the other places of abundance that were in my life so that I could move through this place that felt so like destitute. And then also mm. back to family, you know, my, my grandma, my mom's side has passed and, and I was close with her. So I tap into her a lot. And it's funny because if I ever tap into her to be like, come on, grandma, help me, like help me from the other side. Cause my grandma had had money and was well off and really liked nice things. We're very similar in that way and <laughs> of liking nice things. And so, but every time I tap into her, she always is like, go get a man. That's what she tells me. <laughs> Readers tell me like, your grandmother is really worried about you getting married. I'm like, yeah, she's come in my dreams, told me the same thing. Like she's not going to send me to get like 
some big promotion of like, you know, work or whatever, like she's going to try to send a man. Oh, so. that's so funny. My Italian grandma used to come to me in my dreams and, and <laughs> would do that. And my grandfather, the only thing he cared about was, why don't you have a boyfriend? Do you have a boyfriend? beautiful girl like you doesn't have a boyfriend and be like no I do have a boyfriend yeah. and he'd be like okay you're fine be like but I did I did start a business I'm like the CEO of a company and he's like but do you have a boyfriend? <laughs> <laughs> and my grandma when she passed on my noni she used to come to me like like when I'd be dating the worst guy ever and she'd be like mm. marry him <laughs> like just get married I'm like I don't think that's right like <laughs> It's funny how I think a lot of people who are dipping their toe in spirituality think that people who have passed on hold all this like with deep wisdom. They can not, they can't be wrong that they're sort of omniscient, but like, that's not necessarily no. true. <laughs> my, my grandmother's the opposite. Like, I feel like she, she was married multiple times. So she was like, another bus will always come along. Like I'm fine. <laughs> I'd be going to her crying about breakups and she would be like, and like dump him like dump her like whatever like who cares like, very flippant about that sort of thing but I think that also that has made me really hyper focused on like my relationship with men in particular and like how I feel like I don't need like a partner like I'm constantly like my mother's family line is very much like we are independent women we don't need anybody and I'm like, well, actually, I kind of do need somebody. I do want an intimate relationship that makes me feel vulnerable and safe and secure and supported in certain ways. And my mom has that with my father. Mm -hmm. But even in like that dynamic, mm -hmm. it's very interesting how much my mom clings to the independent like woman energy. And like, I love it. But I'm also like, it's okay, mom, to admit that you need like somebody to hold you. Like, and like, it's okay to admit that you need mm -hmm. a hug, that you want to cry and you want to be like cuddled in this moment. Like, it's okay. Mm -hmm. So I think like that's yeah. part of my work too with my family and that that passing down of that epigenetic trauma of like not being able to rely on your partner in the past through our families. And so now I'm like, okay, like, I think mm -hmm. I can help with that with like, what does an equal balance dynamic look like in giving and receiving? Yeah. And I mean, it seems like you have that dynamic in your friendship, like you've got each other's backs and you can so exist interdependently like doing your own things and then when you come back together it's almost like you're creating a blueprint for yourself of like what your your romantic relationship could look like yeah too. i mean friendships yeah. are just the root of what and reflection yep. of what a romantic relationship should look like yep. you know <laughs> yeah it's i wonder what since friendships have changed so much during covid just the way that we interact with people how, what sort of effect that might have on our romantic relationships too in the future or just relationships mm. in general because they've evolved so much. Yeah, I feel like more intentionality. I don't know about how other people were operating within the pandemic, but I was like, I'm not meeting up with someone unless I really want to meet up with you or we're working on something together creatively or work-wise or I feel inspired by you spiritually. And I think it's actually mm. like shed a lot of like dynamics that I was just entertaining out of like politeness. And now I'm kind of like, mm -hmm. I can, I can be intentional about who I want to meet up with and who I want to spend time with. Time is precious. I think that's important. Yeah. Yeah. It cut the fluff. It did. Yeah. And it put a big magnifying glass on everything. So anything that wasn't working before there was enough room to let it just keep going. But now if something's not working, you know, right away. And then mm -hmm. spirit comes in and handles yeah. it right away. <laughs> 
like cut, cut your losses. Mm-hmm. There's that mental model of like sunk costs, mm-hmm. right? When you've invested some energy into something, you're like, well, I already spent a hundred dollars on it. So like, I might as well go and enjoy it or like try to go enjoy this concert that I don't want to go to or whatever. Or this website that I built that cost me money, but I don't really like it anymore. I guess I'll just try to make it work. This relationship that I've invested <laughs> six months into, but it's like not really working, but like six months of my life, mm-hmm. I better like try and make it worthwhile. And yeah, that's just a, it's a fallacy. It's cognitive fallacy. It's, it's not real. So interesting what we try to sort of justify for ourselves. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that the the thing I really like about the word alignment is that it doesn't, for me, it doesn't say anything's right or wrong. And so it's just saying Mm -hmm. like, you're not really in alignment with me right now. I'm not really in alignment with you or, oh, I'm really in alignment with this person. So spirit is going to bring people who are in alignment with you when, when they're needed in your life and you're needed in theirs. And when that's no longer the case anymore, there will be an exit. And I think that we get so used to <clears throat> things needing to be bad to move on. It's like, <laughs> it, we can't move on unless if it's bad. It just, that's like almost how we're programmed, right? People cheat because they need some reason to move on instead of just saying like, hey, I, I really love you, but I just don't know if this is really working right now. And as somebody who's like also learning how to do that, you know, I've had, I've had situations in whether romantic or friendship that don't work for us anymore. And like, sometimes it's been really triggering and toxic and traumatic the way that it's ended. And sometimes it's been really amicable and really quiet, you know? And something I I thought about today specifically was I was like this idea of unconditional love. And I've like had that idea kind of put on me before of like, don't you want to unconditionally love me? And I'm like, yeah, I I do. (laughs) But like, wasn't there yet. Right. Mm -hmm. And I just realized that I was like, you know, actually, having somebody not be in your life anymore and like wishing them well is actually the best way to unconditionally love somebody Mm -hmm. because it's saying that you don't need to be in my life and serve me in order for me to love you. You can actually be out of my life Mm -hmm. and I could want what's best for you because knowing that you're in my life Mm -hmm. doesn't serve both of us. It's like the idea that unconditional love is not also like putting your needs last either. Yeah. You know that like you even know this relationship, this friendship, this partnership, whatever is coming to a close, like honor those feelings. And you don't have to hold on just to, to be a peacemaker, to be a harmonizer in that way. Yeah, that's so true. We often like fight to the <laughs> end. We don't want things to sort of fade away. Well, we love mm-hmm. black and white. We love when it's clear. And I think when something sort of like mm-hmm. is ephemeral or someone sort of floats away from you, it feels like there's unfinished business mm-hmm. in some way, or we want, we want to like know where we stand with that person. And the truth is we rarely get the closure that we want in life in yeah. general. And I think it really reflects our fear mm-hmm. of death. Mm-hmm. We often don't get Absolutely, closure with yeah. people who die. Yeah. yeah. And also things like come and go. And that's the same seasons. with people. Other season, somebody could come in your life and they're there for a season and then they go away and then they come back. And again, it's trusting, trusting mm-hmm. the universe. <laughs> that you're being placed where you need yeah. to be placed. Yeah. <laughs> Do you guys listen to Dan Savage? He's this gay relationship guru. He works at The Stranger in um, Seattle. He's a writer. And he had a relationship podcast I was obsessed with in college. And I listened to it all the time. It was like where I first learned about like, I don't know, pegging, you know, like I was like, whoa, what's it called? There's so much stuff that you can do and threesomes and like open relationships. And it's like, I didn't know that this was all possible. Like Mm-hmm. I grew up Catholic. This is crazy. I thought I wasn't supposed to have sex until I was married. You know, like I didn't know anything. And what I loved that he always went back to is that 
you know, relationships, they don't just end with a breakup. Like relationships never Mm -hmm. end. You are constantly in relationship with that person. Mm -hmm. You might Mm -hmm. not talk to them anymore. You might never really think about them again, but like, you're not out of relationship. Once you've started, like you're in relationship for life. It just is going to evolve and ebb and flow and change. And you never know like how much energy might come back into that. It could be 20 years later, maybe you'll become best friends. Mm -hmm. Maybe, I don't know, maybe you'll get back together. Maybe something else is supposed to happen between the two Mm -hmm. of you. But I just loved that idea of like, oh yeah. Once it started. Once you're like in a relationship, (laughs) it's, yeah, like it's, it's on. I, yeah. I like <laughs> Whether you like it or not. I'm thinking about how this past weekend, <laughs> the past weekend for the Scorpio full moon, I literally had like an interaction with each of my exes over the span of like four days in these very random ways. So I'm like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Still energetically connected. <laughs> it's fine. They're like, oh, they just had to pop back in for a minute. In a pandemic, you ran yeah. into them? What are the odds like, of, of that course, happening? Of course this is happening. But, but yeah, it's like sometimes it's not an emotional reaction, but there is still a magnet pull of like acknowledgement of each other's energy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's another great book by Carolyn Miss on sacred contracts. Have you read that book? That sounds cool. It's really good. It definitely got me out of a toxic relationship because she talks about kind of Imani, what you were saying about unconditional love. She talks about how, you know, everyone we're in relationship with or we interact with in this life, she believes we made a contract with them before we came here and we mutually decided we will interact, whether it's, you know, your mailman who's just dropping off, I don't know, a package or your horrible boss who abused you at work. You could decide it together that you would be in relationship Mm -hmm. and the people often who she says in this book, who are the ones who torment us the most and the ones that cause us the most pain are actually potentially the ones that might love us the most because they agreed to be that person for us in this life, to be the villain in our life. And that's a lot of karma to carry. And that's a big thing to offer to sort of sacrifice for another to be hated, even though you maybe love each other so much. I I always thought that was really interesting that the people that maybe charge you up the most um, or like who you can't, who like you feel like are torturing you the most really potentially or maybe the ones who love you yeah. that can also sound really toxic to add on to that point something that that I've also been thinking about this week it's really interesting is especially in the spirituality space where we are creating bonds and friendships also doing business it's a very nebulous space because we want things to be organic. So it's not like an, a business networking event kind of thing, right? And therefore you might be getting to know people really fast. And so you have some relationships that just click and they become so intense and deep and close in a month. And then you have slow burn relationships. And as we've known from you know history, slow burn relationships can usually last longer because there's been more time and there's been less karmic energy that has kind of been instilled into that relationship. But when you connect with somebody so fast, usually they're a catalyst. And so what kind of looks like that toxic energy you're talking about, I see as like, oh, those were the people that I met super fast so that I had a catalyst into this next phase. And when you want to move fast in your life, you know, bring in a lot of fast relationships that go deep, that hurt because they will love you in a way that sends you on a catalyst. When you're at a place in your life that you want to start to feel more steady 
and have longer, slower results in your life, go for the slow burn relationships because they are going to give you something that lasts a little bit longer, um, but they might not catapult you so quickly. And so thinking mm-hmm. about relationships in that way too, like when they come in to your life. Yeah. How our society frames relationships even, like we think of like hot, passionate, you know, relationships <laughs> as like what we all want. And then we never really talk about the chaos that can come from that. Like, <laughs> like it's like in every movie, yeah. in every book, in every media, you know, like this, uh-huh. like very passionate and like, yes, we all want passion, but it's like in the long term, in the long run, like when shit gets real, like, can you really buckle down with this person <laughs> and like handle life challenges together? Like, those are some serious questions to ask yourself before you jump into something like that. Yeah. I used to call myself a slow burn, actually, Imani. It's so funny <laughs> you use that word because I don't, I used to not think that I made very good impressions on people. I used to think that I just was like, not that likable off the jump. And I was like, that's okay. I'm a slow burn. But once I kind of get in, get root under your skin, I'm around forever. And then you really can't get rid of me. <laughs> and, then, and that's your problem. Not my problem. But I don't think that way about myself anymore, but I've had this series of friendships that were like so intense, so fast. And I tend to be a really private person. I'm Pisces, Sun, Cancer, Rising, mm. Scorpio, Moon. <laughs> so I'm super mm. internal and Triple but water. I go really deep with people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I can right. read your mind. So I'm like, right. I don't like you. There's a reason I don't like you, you know, but I like had this series of relationships with women that were like so deep and so intense. And then it was like, I woke up one day and I was like, this person's not mm. a good person or like this person is toxic or like, oh, I really don't want them to be, but I don't think this is a good thing for me. I was talking to my therapist about it. So I was like, what does this mean? Does it mean my intuition's off? Does it mean that like, I don't know, there's something wrong with me. And she's like, no, it just means that you're really trying to give people the benefit of the doubt. And you see the good in them so much that you'll really ignore the bad stuff. And then you like to give them a little bit more benefit of the doubt than, than they deserve. And that's okay. You just have to learn to go a little slower because once you get excited, you open up, you like, yes, all these things click. Great. Let's be best friends. We're like, let's hang out all the time. And um, it it can sort of like, it's like the passion thing, right? When the passion like somehow, somehow dissipates when the shit really hits the fan, you're like, wait, I don't really know Mm -hmm. this person (laughs) or like, we don't have anything in common and um, it can be really hard. Yeah. As somebody who was around people who practice polyamory in the last couple of years and who hasn't been in a relationship for five years and is really fast with friendships. Like if I meet somebody, like I'll just go so deep, so fast. I've learned a lot. (laughs) I have learned a lot about what not to do. And, and some of those relationships I kept and they have been through the darkest of times. And because of that, I know what the friendship is and it feels really good. And some of them I'm still healing and some of them, you know, are far away, but I think it comes back to those lessons of how can I have unconditional love for somebody by creating the space I need for myself. When I've done that, I can be like, you know what? I see you like, there were reasons that I was attracted to you romantically or friendship wise to begin with. There are obviously beautiful things about everybody and we all have our stuff that we need to work on, but sometimes somebody else's stuff in our kitchen doesn't work. It doesn't blend with our ingredients, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. and that's okay, you know, and hopefully they will get their healing and hopefully we'll get our healing, you know, and we'll end up in the places where that can happen. Yeah. The best friend thing I get. 
the best, <laughs> the, the best, the like wanting people to be your best friend in five mm. seconds. I think it's a cancer thing because you got the cancer rising. Yeah. And- <laughs> I'm, I'm like I'm learning from yeah. Ellen to be more of a slow burn person. <laughs> I am a proud slow burn person. <laughs> I have a Capricorn moon. So my my moon is very reserved and like I can let people be close and warm, but I'm like, you have to earn access to me emotionally. And that used to be something that mm-hmm. I was a little bit ashamed of. Like, I wish I was one of those people that I could just immediately be open and bubbly. And I'm like, actually, this is a great protector for me because of my like Leo sun and Pisces rising. Like, cause that energy pulls people mm-hmm. in and I love that it's warm and like welcoming, but I also love that my Capricorn moons, like make sure at boundary, like, make, like <laughs> that wall, like put it up. And I think it's just taught mm-hmm. me that, yeah, not everybody deserves access to your energy because your energy is really sacred and that's super important. And I think like thinking about friendships and relationships, even like anybody you call in, like one of my favorite things my therapist ever told me was like anybody you call into your life is reflecting something that you have within you that you just want to externalize. So that's the gratitude portion mm-hmm. that comes in for those dynamics when you are mm-hmm. releasing them. Like, how did you come in to inspire maybe fun and spontaneity into my life? How did you come in to inspire me creatively? And I think that when you can get into that beautiful place of retrospect, that's like where you get all the lessons and the beauty from that dynamic, even as it's on its way. Yeah, so well said. And that's just, Mm -hmm. that's shadow work, right? Like shadow. And I think that shadow so often gets a bad rap of being like only the things that we don't like about ourselves that are quote unquote bad, but really it's just the stuff that like, we can't own. And I love the perspective of Joseph Campbell that's, who says, you know, the reason we create heroes in society or superheroes or characters that are heroes is because societally we can't own the traits of the hero. Like it's hard for us to Im- like embody those. So we cast them onto this sort of like whatever fake thing. So we can enjoy the parts of us that we're not allowed to claim, you know, our super strength or our intelligence or our kindness or our empathy or our passion or whatever it might be. It's the same thing with people that come into your life. Sometimes they, they are reflecting the things that you can't necessarily own about yourself that are there. Because if they weren't there, you wouldn't be able to see them in someone else and acknowledge yeah. them in somebody else. Mm-hmm. Relationships, man. <laughs> How'd we get here? <laughs> That's where we had to get here. How'd we get here? <laughs> I knew that the Pisces, the Pisces would bring us here. It's like inevitable. Wait, and we have Pisces wait, between the three of us. We have it in the moon, the sun, and the rising. Wow. Each one of us carries one of those placements. And a, and, and a oh. Venus. Oh, Pisces, Venus. Wow. Oh, so loving. Yeah. I cry a lot. Like I have a lot of feelings. <laughs> feelings are valid. Oh, feelings are valid. Absolutely. Yeah. The feelings are valid. It's true. Yeah. Oh, you guys, it's just so fun. I'm so glad yeah. we got to connect. And I, you're so oh. wise. I think everyone should buy your book, Astrology yes. SOS, yes. right? Yes. It's covers um, all the retrogrades. Mm-hmm. It's got the solstices, the equinoxes, all three of your Saturn returns mm-hmm. and compatibility based on elements and some mm-hmm. major placements as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is like exactly the book that I wish that I'd had <laughs> instead of the like old janky astrology book that I had when I was like 21 years <laughs> old. You know? Yeah. I feel like a lot of astrology books are about your sign, which is great because it's a way to get to know yourself better, which is the root of a lot of things. But what our book does is it shows how we're interconnected with the whole ecosystem. And so how external Mm -hmm. things are going to affect you and how to deal with that. 
Yeah. Oh, you guys are so fun. Thanks for coming on this podcast. As expert podcasters, you're such a delight. And this was so great. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having us. that's our episode thanks for tuning in as always if you rate review and subscribe and send us a screenshot of your review you will be entered to win a prize this month we are giving away one spot to our notion for magical baddies systems and spells class it is a beloved class (laughs) um, that we are hosting in October. It's four weeks and it's geared towards people with squiggly brains, ADHD, intuitive, creative people who really need to learn how to make systems to support themselves. And we use Notion, which is our most favorite tool, um, to come to that happy intersection of how we can be our most intuitive and creative selves with the least amount of anxiety and stress and also... (laughs) people who have systems in place so that we can actually get things done you know it's a it's a happy happy balance between intuitive and structured (laughs) and honestly the best systems are pretty fluid and intuitive so i don't know i don't know coming from a triple water who really loves uh loves a good system Anyways, if you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, you send in your screenshot of your review to the text message line below. You'll be entered to win. And um, we close the doors on that on September 31st. So make sure you get it in by the end of the week. All right. Thanks for listening. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. And we'll see you on Friday. Bye.